Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? Welcome to the Jean Beliveau episode of Canadians Connection. That's episode four, for those of you who aren't Habs fans, but that'd be a little bit strange. Anyways, I'm joined by the great Rick Stevens. We're here for another episode. Rick, how's it going? But I like that opening, uh, Jean. Be- was, anytime yeah. you can you can shoehorn Jean Beliveau into the conversation, <laughs> I'm, I'm up for that. Uh, I'm yeah. doing great, Joe. Glad to be here and uh, on the road once again, doing some uh, work with AHL Dot Report, uh, looking right. at uh, at uh, yeah some some AHL action. So uh, happy to be here, and uh, I know we have a packed show again today. We do indeed, and and you're always on the road. You're just always it out there so. looking at. Scouting, <laughs> scouting some teams and, and getting to know the young players that are coming up through the system. So you were right in saying that we do have another jam-packed show. It seems to be a theme throughout the first the first uh, couple of episodes, the first few episodes that we've had here on Canadians Connection. And uh, yeah, so I suggest we just dive right in because we're going to bring back a segment from Habs 360, and that is Winners and Losers. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers. On the Canadians Connection. Yes, it is indeed, and we have some uh, some pretty some pretty uh, two different games to look at for this week's winners and losers. We have a five-one win, which will highlight some of the winners, and uh, a three-nothing loss that will highlight a little bit more of the the losers. So, Rick, I'll turn it over to you and ask who was your winner this week. My winner of the week um, is going to is um, I, I had a couple to choose from I should say and um, I've spoken about him before. Arturi Lekkinen has really impressed me. He impressed me in the preseason. Uh, he's impressing me. Uh, uh, continuing for the first uh, few games, he's as far as uh, goals four per sixty. He's at the, the list. He's uh, we we think of Lekkinen as a as a defensive player and he certainly uh, excels there, but he's, he leads the Canadians in generating offense uh, right now so far in this young season. And uh, I think he's been terrific. However, I've mentioned, I've mentioned Lackanen before we've talked about him before. Um, So, uh, and and I'm sure he'll come back again in our, in our winter segment um, as we go on. But, but this week, I'm going to highlight um, a guy who, who um, really gets uh, strangely, st- really strangely from my perspective, <laughs> a lot of criticism, and that's Carey Price. Um, Habs fans out there, everything that you've been uh, treated to in terms of, of success, Carey Price has delivered. Carey Price has delivered all of your – over the past five years um, – if, if there's been any success, any joy in your life, it's been due to Carey Price. And so I, I, <laughs> I, I really, I, I, yeah. I, I'm baffled. I'm baffled when I hear negative comments about uh, 
Carey Price, and they're 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 uh, given his uh, injury plague season last year. There were some questions coming into um, this season. Um, some people, uh, even on our our Rocket Sports team, were not impressed with his preseason. I didn't see anything. I didn't see any problems there. I did. I didn't see any any issues in the preseason. Uh, and but in the regular season, he's been terrific. He's He's been solid. He's um, the defense once again, um, you know, not many improvements made over the summer uh, to the defensive core, uh, unless you, you call Xavier Willette an upgrade. Uh, but but um, uh, the defense has been has been picked apart uh, most games um, and uh, Carey Price has been there and and he's been solid too spectacular uh and yep. and there's been a couple of of game saving kind of saves in each of the games whether it's been um you know even in the last last game we saw uh, incredible saves uh, there was one on Carter there was one on Kovalchuk yeah. there was um uh, and and if you you think back even to the Toronto game, first game of the season the save on Levo and and uh Carey Price has been terrific. Um, there's yeah, been. there's lots of lots of holes in this lineup, but uh, certainly not Carey Price. Um, and so, I, I, for that reason, and because he takes way too much uh, grief uh, from the yeah. fans, uh, I've I've named him my my winner for this week. That's a that's a well deserved acknowledgement for Carey Price because, to your point, I don't understand why all the criticism when things aren't going well suddenly turns to the guy that won the Hart Trophy just, what, three seasons ago? You know, like, to me, that's a little bit ridiculous to turn on that guy because, yeah, and, and unfortunately, he's not going to be in the lineup tonight. He's, he's got the flu, and, uh, you know, people are all already saying, oh, he's injured, he's down again, he's, not, he's out again, what's going on? It's October people get the flu in October. It's a normal human thing to happen. Relax. Carey Price is going to be fine. He's, he's always, and, and, and to your point about the preseason, was it not the, uh, before the 2010-11 season where Carey Price had a, had a pretty solid season, all things considered, not what he would, uh, what would he would achieve later on, but a very good season. And he had a shaky, uh, a shaky preseason that year. And that was just after the Halak trade. And everyone was like, oh, no, here we go again. This guy, he's not ready. What did he come out to the media and say? Relax. We've got plenty of time. And, yeah, to your point, there were people that were questioning that in the preseason. Didn't understand it then. Um, so I, I agree with, with your choice for the winner of the week with Carey Price. And, and uh, uh, just a yeah. shout-out to uh, have a listen uh, if you're listening to – our podcast, you should also uh, be listening to Have a Listen with Gibby and Absolutely. Lewis and Gibby that comes out in the middle of the week. Uh, there was a bit of a mea culpa this week where uh, Lewis said, uh, you know what, I was concerned about Carey Price during the preseason, and he blew me away uh, so far. Yeah. And so we, we, we've heard uh, some changing hearts. As, as far as yeah. the flu thing, get well, Carey. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it is just a flu thing. If, if fans are questioning whether it's an injury or um, I, I think all you need to do is check out Angela Price's tweets um, 
from earlier and uh, for the home opener yeah. on uh, Thursday, she tweeted that she wasn't able to attend the game because what? She was home with the flu. So, uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of makes sense that, uh, yeah. that Carrie's, uh, Carrie's picked that up too. So we'll pivot here now and I'll give my winner of the week who is a guy that we mentioned last week as a guy that could potentially in a few years be among the Habs leadership group. And that was Noah Juleson. And in this early season, the, the, there's been a lot of question marks for Montreal. Like you said, there's a lot of things that are uh, a little bit unsure for the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price wouldn't be one of them. And the blue line specifically has been a little bit of a, they've had good nights. They have, they had a, a bad night on, on Thursday. But Noah Juleson to me has been a guy that has really just been consistent. He has been physical. And the thing about it is, is that Jeff Petrie, while he has been all right, certainly hasn't been that veteran presence that you would have liked. You would like him to be on a a blue line that's a little bit, you know, inexperienced. So to me, Noah Juleson has been a real, uh, a real solid force for the Canadians in the, uh, in the first three games. And I think that that's just going to continue. I think that he has gotten off to a really good start and, uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how he can, can keep that going. And uh, Thursday night, I mean, that's a team LA that's, that's built for strong battles. They're big, they're strong. And, and Noah Juleson, I mean, he didn't back down. That was a really good effort from him in that game where there really wasn't a whole lot of, uh, a lot of positives to take out of. He's um, I think he doesn't get enough credit because he's, he's a bit under the radar out there. Um, yeah. He just does everything right. He just does everything yeah. solid. And I think back to uh, I was in the building um in Syracuse in, in um, his first pro game. And that was during the playoffs, the, the ice, ice caps um, against the Syracuse crunch. And um, Sylvain Lafay planned to use him as a seventh defenseman that night. And, and so he got in the first period, he got the occasional shift with uh, a guy who I always respected. And that was uh, Tom Parisi. Um, and by the second period, uh, Jilson was, was taking a regular shift, playing the penalty kill, uh, in his first pro game. He, he just, um, he, he has that poise on the ice, uh, that, that makes the coaches trust in him. And, and we've seen that yeah. so far this season. Um, if you look at, again, if we look at the, you know, goals against per 60 kind of thing, um, the the worst defenseman by far has been um, Xavier Ouellette. Um and I think that even by the eye test, people can can tell yeah. that. But Victor Meta isn't too far off of that number because no. Victor, yeah. Victor likes to roam and and uh, he has trouble with the the bigger teams and in front of the net and and he struggled. But even when um, uh, they've been paired up together. Uh, Noah Juleson has, has, uh, and, and we saw that much of the, the preseason, uh, Noah Juleson has kind of made up for Victor as he likes to go in Rome. Uh, but yeah. so far in three games, um, in the regular season goals against per 60, Noah Juleson is, is the best defenseman. He's the only yeah. defenseman 
who hasn't been on uh, on the ice. Uh, he his his goals against per sixty is zero point zero. Um, he um, he's been terrific and uh, and doesn't get enough uh, praise. And and perhaps I think uh, when you talk to Noah, he's kind of a you know a quiet under understated kind of guy. I think he likes that. I think he likes the under the radar treatment, um, but he, uh, yeah. great choice. Great choice. Of, yeah. uh, winner of the week. He's been terrific. He has been, he's been, uh, and you know, talking about that back end, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty there and he's been a real solid player for them back there. So we'll see how that continues tonight. If it continues against the Pittsburgh Penguins once again, but before we get there, we're going to head to the losers of the week. And uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you start with, with your loser of the week. Well, you know, there's, there's a guy that um, I mentioned Syracuse and the Syracuse. I've, I've, seen, a lot, <laughs> I've seen a lot of a- AHL action. Mm-hmm. And someone who um, I was very familiar with, and, and maybe a lot of fans weren't, was Matthew Pekka. Um, now, it seems that, that Pekka's come in with a, a lot of fanfare. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's, uh, back in 2011, he was a seventh round pick, pick first overall. Um, and yet he's been <laughs> embraced by, by Canadians media and Canadian fans as if he was, uh, you know, a first round pick coming in. Uh, all the talk <laughs> in the preseason has been about Matthew Pekka and, and it's kind of, um, I, I was talking to a, a scout, and he he found it very curious. And and certainly, when um, not not the fact that Montreal signed him, but signed him to the contract uh, uh, they did, a lot of eyebrows were raised around the league. Um, you know, normally a player of Matthew Pekka's um, ilk would be signed to a a, a two way deal. Uh, $800,000 kind of thing. But Mac, Matthew Peck got a one-way contract from the Canadians um, for two years at $1.3 million. And, and everybody was like, why, why Matthew Pekka? What is going on here? Um, here you have a, a career. You know, he's, he's, not a, he's not at the start of his career. He's 25 years old. Um, a uh, David DeHarnay uh, in stature, uh, barely five eight. If you talk to him, he's he's a pretty small guy. Um, yeah. He's a career AHL player. Um, he has two hundred and four games in the AHL with let's say uh, let's be generous and say mediocre numbers. Um, and he's he's just played twenty games in the a- in the NHL. Three goals, four assists. Um, so all of this fanfare seemed. Very, very odd. And I, I know the, the, you know, the, the, the reason was given, oh, he was stuck behind um, yeah. good players in, in Tampa. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. But, but, you know, some good players make it through. Some hardworking players make it through. And, and it just seemed very odd that, um, that the Canadians and Mark Bergevin were going out of their way uh, to to bring in this guy um, who didn't have a lo- uh, didn't have a strong resume when they have you know if if it's fourth line players you need you have uh, a Jacob De La Rose with uh, 119 games of NHL experience um, that sort of thing um, 
Now, uh, you know, Matthew Peck has built and built himself as a, as a, a strong two-way center. Um, but we've seen I, he didn't have a very good preseason, and he's had a terrible, terrible uh, opening to the season in the three games. Um, he's been caught out of position. He's been too small to defend. Um, he's was, we saw in the game against the Leafs, he was turned into knots by Austin Matthews. Not, not I mean, Austin Matthews is, yeah. can do that to a lot of players, but he's, he's not in the first three games. He didn't look at all like an NHL caliber player. Um, so, uh, you know, when you look at, at, uh, if you look at the goals against per 60 on the Canadians roster, there's no one worse, um, um, in the first three games other than Andrew Shaw. Um, offensively, he's offered nothing. Um, yeah. But but he certainly has been um, the media darling. And yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was funny that uh, there was an article in the Gazette about him. Um, and it, it was, this was written. It said, uh, Matthew Peck has played only two games. It was two games at that point with the Canadians but has already become a favorite with the French media. And that is because he is fully bilingual and has perfect French. Um, he grew oh. up in Petawawa. has a, his mom's, uh, he, he spoke French at home with his mom and, and went to French school and all that sort of thing. So certainly as far as the interviews, in addition to Duran and Deneau and Houdon and Ouellette and Delorier and, and Byron, who they go to the, French media have enjoyed going to Matthew Pekka and it's, I don't, I don't want to be cynical here, but it seems that a lot of this hype, Matthew Pekka hype might have a little more to do with that than uh, with what he's actually produced. And, and, you know, granted he's, he's, he's speedy. Um, besides Paul Byron, he's, he's one of the, the quicker players on the Canadians, but he just seems at least in the first three games overmatched and, and, uh, yeah. and, you know, well, we see tonight that, uh, he's, he's, uh, being taken out of the lineup in favor of Thomas Placanitz. Yeah. And, uh, I was, I was one of the ones that was excited by that. So I'll say that because I thought that coming from that, that when, when they got him and Joel Armia, that those are two systems where guys really aren't given a chance because there are so many guys in front of them. So to your point, that was the argument that I was making at the time. But then when the season started, specifically when we were in training camp and preseason, he had become this, this on Twitter, especially he'd become this, this fan favorite, this guy that everyone was, Oh, he's going to, you know, he's, he's a really good player. And yeah, I, I can see the argument, but we have Nikita Sherback who hasn't played a game yet. And granted he's a winger, but still, I mean, he hasn't played a game yet. To your point, Della Rose hasn't played a game yet. Uh, some of that is to do with the uh, the heart issues that he had had, the uh, the scare there where that was uh, just a couple of days ago. But um, you know that to me, that's a little bit of um, I, I just don't understand it because you have to value your own system at some point because if you don't, then who will? You know, like a guy like Nikita Sherback, he should be playing games regularly. You know, he should be given that opportunity. And Tomasz Plekanec, who you just went and re-signed, you know, he's a guy that played pretty well for Toronto once the playoffs started. I mean, he didn't show signs of slowing down, but you 
you, you scratched him in favor of Pekka. And, and to your point, Pekka didn't look particularly good in the preseason and hasn't in the regular season either. So uh, from one former member of the Lightning organization to another, we get my loser of the week, which is somewhat unsurprisingly Jonathan Drouin. He had to be mentioned as a guy that didn't play particularly well in, in the opening three games of the season. And some are going to point out that I'm only mentioning this because he's pointless. And that has absolutely nothing to do with it. He has look, looked highly uninterested and just really hasn't played particularly well at all. I mean, in any situation, five on five, power play, whatever he's being asked to do, he hasn't done it well enough. And this is a Montreal Canadiens team. You've heard it over and over that they're going to have to do things by committee, that everybody is going to have to pull their weight and everybody is going to have to contribute something. And Jonathan Drouin through three games has contributed absolutely nothing. And a lot of that has been on the power play, trying to create something out of nothing, dangle through four or five guys. Some of it has been to your point. I know you tweeted out during the game against LA that the, uh, the line that featured him, Kotkaniemi, and Armia, he was the dead weight on that line. And that just should not be the case because this is a guy that you traded your best prospect for. You traded the guy that, and we speak about the problems that they have on the back end. If you still have Mikhail Sergachev, tell me that those problems are still there because I'm telling you they're not. You know, so Jonathan drew in at some point has got to contribute something and not 43 points or 46 points, excuse me, that he put up last year. That is not worth the price that you paid. That is not good enough. And you talk about his career high, which I mean, he set in Tampa Bay playing with Nikita Kucherov was 53 points. So where is the upside to this guy? Because you've exhausted pretty much every option and in three games, and combined with last season where he didn't look good either, he just hasn't produced anything at all of any value. So to me, like this is, you're, you're getting to the point now where what's left to do with Jonathan Drouin, because after you've, okay, you, you're not trying with Deneau and Gallagher, you switch that around and play Tatar with Kokinyemi and Armia. The only thing that's left to do is try him with Max Domi. And that was the experiment that they were supposed to do in preseason until Domi got suspended for those five games. After that, where, what are you going to do with him? Where's his next best fit? And we'll get to that later, I guess, in the question of the week, what should Claude Julien do with Jonathan Drouin? But uh, to me, it seems as though after the next, we'll, we'll find out more as the season goes on, but, it, it just feels like they've exhausted every option to try to get this guy going. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think it's uh, probably the best choice to week, um, very deservedly. So uh, he's not, uh, you know, you look at, at goals for per 60 um, and it's, it's early, it's three games, but yeah. you expect to see Duran near the top of that list. The, 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 the three forwards at the top of that list are, are Turi Lekkonen, um, uh, Paul Byron and uh, Kokaniemi. So, yeah. um, and and Drouin is at the bottom, 
Duran is the worst forward um, when when evaluated by the the goals uh, for per sixty uh, metric. So uh, that's that's not a good look. And as as you said, it's it's more about the way he's playing. Um, and I understand that you know there were some tweets about uh, oh he just hasn't found the right chemistry. Well, he really hasn't found the chem- chemistry for the past two years. Um, no, you know, I tried him uh, last year with a, a number of different players, offensively minded players, whether it be Galchaniak or, or Pacioretty, or and this year, um, and 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 the chemistry just isn't there. And uh, so um, you know, I, I think not only is is he a, a good choice for as you said, um, uh, loser of the week, but uh, he, he does make it into our question of the week, which we're going to be reading your replies uh, later. If you're listening to us right now and you want to make uh, your reply known, uh, send a tweet to um, Habs Connection uh, on Twitter. Send a tweet to All Habs. Send a tweet to Joe, Joe Whalen19. Uh, uh, go on to our, our fan page on Facebook. Um, and and answer the question of the week, which, as you said, um, yeah, you know he's he's played selfishly with the puck. He's he's looked disinterested without it. What do you do? What do you do with Jonathan Drouin at this point? Exactly, and, and and as you mentioned, we're going to be getting that to that in the third segment. If you disagree with what I just said about Jonathan Drouin, let me know. Like Rick said, at Joe Whalen nineteen. So when we come back, we're going to take a brief break but when we come back we're going to discuss we've already touched on a little bit the Habs home opener against the LA Kings was a little bit disappointing they honored the Habs 93 Stanley Cup winning team in the in the pregame ceremony so we're going to touch on all of that when we come back Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented motivated and committed people to join our team if you're a student wishing to gain experience a young professional interested in broadening your credentials an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net.
And we're back here on Canadians Connection. We're talking about winners and losers last segment. And we kind of touched on the Habs home opener, which was a little bit disappointing after coming off a a 5-1 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. But before we get to the game itself, before the game, uh, in addition to the player introductions that they do every year, which we will actually touch on a little bit later on, uh, they honored the Habs 1993 Stanley Cup winning team, which was a really, really great moment, which was uh, kind of, uh, <laughs> I won't say it was it was ruined, but there were parts of it that were a little bit lessened because of, of some fans. Well, it's it's funny because, um, I, okay, I, I named Matthew Peck as my loser of the week uh, because because we want to talk about we want to talk about the players. But had had my had we gone in a different direction, my loser of the week would have been the the guy who was anxious to so anxious to get himself on the jumbotron that he leaped up in front of um, Jacques Demers and and waved like a, a silly old fool um and, and let's okay back up a bit it, it was great to see it was great to see as you said they honored all of the 93 uh yeah. they honored the 93 team and and many of of the, the the players and execs were were there uh it was great to see so many there and and at Lyle Odeline I hadn't I hadn't seen Lyle Odeline in a long time he looked great yeah um but um yeah <sighs> They towards the end, you know, Serge Savard was the was the GM of that team, and everybody knows head coach Jacques Demers, and and Jacques had his health difficulties, and uh, he was in a wheelchair um, beside uh, Serge Savard, and um, uh, the roof came off the place. That yeah. by far the the loudest ovation of the night was for Jacques Demers and and Serge Savard, and um, and then. Uh, just this guy in a gray-haired fellow in a Habs jersey jumped up and started waving so he could see himself, and it was just a, <laughs> it was it's not about you, but it's not. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it was it was it was a yeah terrible moment. Um, so uh, he he's lucky that that we talked about players; otherwise, he would have been the, the loser <laughs> of the week. Yeah, and uh, you know I can. Part of me understands it a little bit, like, and I, and not because then, and you know, absolutely, it was a terrible, terrible thing. But you know, I guess he saw himself close and wanted to be up there. But oh man, it was, it was pretty brutal. And you know, to your point, he's, he's, he's got, he's an, he's an older guy. He was around when, when, <laughs> when that happened. Uh-huh. I would maybe kind of excuse a child for doing that, uh, someone that wasn't around, but. God, that was that was not a not a good look at all. Uh, so uh, very, yes, like to your point, very very lucky that we went the player route for winners and losers of the week. And uh, diving into the game that actually happened after that, because there was a game to be played. Uh, the Habs were celebrating the 1993 team, and the LA Kings cut that celebration just a tad bit short with uh, with a three nothing victory over the Habs in their home opener and beyond the first five minutes I mean the Habs looked okay to start the game they looked exactly like they did against Toronto and Pittsburgh a lot of speed first on pucks everything like that and then bit of a 
Mm, a questionable goal, one that you might want Carey Price to have back. Certainly not his fault. It was a two-on-one, but you know, there, if there was ever going to be a goal that happened this season that you look at and say, hmm, maybe he probably wants that one back, knowing Carey Price, that would probably be one of them. But, you know, they didn't look too sharp, and part of me believes that that's because that's a big, strong team. Am I fair in saying that? Oh, I think so. Um, yeah. I think so for sure. I mean, uh, that first goal was uh, only only a perfect shot uh, yeah. beats Carey Price on that play, and it was a perfect shot. And you got to give credit for that, and I think uh, Carey would say that. But we also have to say, where was Mike Riley? What in the world was yeah. he doing? Uh, he was way out of position, and I think that was the the uh, reoccurring theme. You know, the, the Canadians certainly tried to forecheck. Um, the, the Kings were making a lot of turnovers. The Canadians didn't capitalize like they had in the, in uh, the previous games. Um, and it was because they couldn't get anywhere inside, uh, with, with the bigger team. Uh, the Canadians had no way to get to, to, to the inside, to get near the net. They had 40 shots, three out of the 40 shots, three came from the high danger area. Three shots yeah. came from my area. People are saying, oh, Jack Campbell was better than Carey Price. So, uh, Jack Campbell had, had a busy night, but he had an easy night. And, yeah. um, you know, I had watched the, the game against uh, the Kings played against the Jets a couple nights earlier, and Jack Campbell was terrific. Uh, yeah. Jack Campbell wasn't anywhere near uh, that in, the, in the, the game against the Canadians. Uh, had to make a lot of saves, a lot of routine saves, uh, but but the the Canadians were being boxed out of the front of the net and and uh, uh, just just weren't making their way. And and at the other end, uh, the defense was being absolutely shredded. Whether it was yeah. uh, Wallet or Ben or Riley or Petrie uh, chasing in behind the net, leaving the slot open, certainly for that. Uh, uh, the, the, the second goal, uh, Amadio was all yeah. alone in the slot. Um, Carter with the, uh, the, the, using the, the screen of the defense. Um, it, it, it was a really rough night for the four Canadians forwards getting to the, uh, Kings net and for the Canadians defense, allowing Kings, uh, big Kings forwards to get to, to, to the front of their net. Yeah. And I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a problem for Montreal when they go specifically out west. I mean, there are teams in the east that are like that as well, but teams like that are going to be a bit of a challenge for Montreal because in the first two games you've played against a team, played against teams that are that are you know very skilled, very very fast, and and Montreal was able to outskate them and get to loose pucks and create chances that way, but. When you're facing a team like L.A., I mean, yes, the game is heading in the direction of speed and skill, and Montreal may be a little bit ahead of the curve in that way, but they are still going to be teams. There are still going to be teams that that are able to neutralize that, that prioritize big bodies and wearing you down. And if anyone is going to understand that, it would be Mark Bergevin, who traded P.K. Subban for Shea Weber for that exact reason to be like that, to try and shut down the, the speedy players that are going to get first down pucks. And, and Montreal has got a, a, a team that does that. 
And you've got on LA, you've got Canook back there. You got Muzzin back there. You got a lot of guys that will punish you in the corners and, and, and box you out. And there were a lot of shots that were just coming from the, the, the end boards, just from, you know, just off the wing that were floated in on Jack Campbell. And to your point, he was very good against Winnipeg and he's, he had a 948 save percentage heading into that game. But, you know, there was reason to believe that that was a guy that could be had that night. And Montreal didn't do enough to generate traffic in front. And, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a, a, bit of a letdown in, in, in the home opener of the, of the season. Absolutely. Jack Campbell should have been intimidated by coming yeah. into uh, the Bell Center and by that crowd and by the home opening uh, crowd. I mean, it was his, um, well, I don't have it in front of me. I think it was his 10th NHL game. Uh, yeah. And in that, he's able to get a, a, a shutout uh, at the Bell Center. Shouldn't happen. Just shouldn't happen. No. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, and that's why we had, we had a bit of an exchange on Twitter during the game because, you know, I thought that if there was anything that you could take out of that was that, if Montreal was able to just get one and get a little bit of momentum back, you know, he didn't look particularly good in the opener of, in the opening of that game. You know, he had the puck that was, uh, that was just slid by the net and Domi was in front on that power play, just creating a little bit of havoc. That was the only, pretty much the only time we saw any of that in that game. But, uh, you know, there was that play and there was the misplay where he put it right on Drouin stick and Drouin, of course, wasn't able to make him pay. Uh, he got back in there rather quickly, but there was reason to believe that that was a guy that, that you could score on. It might've been a little bit easier than trying to beat Jonathan quick a couple of times. So to me, that was a little bit of a, uh, and, and combine that with the, the terrific night he had in Winnipeg just two nights before, I thought that maybe, maybe it would, it would come back down to earth a little bit, but he was, uh, you know, he was nothing more than solid when he had to be, and uh, Montreal really didn't do a whole lot to, to, uh, to make his, his night very, uh, very difficult. And a little disappointing from the, the first the to- Canadians' top line. I mean, they've been pretty good um, and, and in generating chances, but um, uh, Phil Deneau had a really – now, Phil Deneau is, we know, um, is, is more appropriate, appropriately a, a bottom six uh, center, uh, would be better suited for the the the, the third or fourth line, uh, but is forced into service on the top line, and and he's been okay. I mean, he doesn't have the yeah. hands to be a, a finisher, but on that night, he went one for thirteen in the in the at the faceoff dot, and and uh, that kind of that kind of handcuffed that first line, um, starting each shift without the puck. Yeah. And how about how about Jesper Kotkaniemi? Because he had a good night on the faceoff, and that was the game. He did. He was the one guy that I was like, okay, you played against Toronto, you played against Pittsburgh. Those are teams that play a very up-tempo style, very skilled style of play, and 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 like Montreal, they're about speed and skill. So maybe it wasn't a great test for him, and that obviously it was because he was going against some great centers, but. In that way, because it was a little bit less punishing of a style, it would have been a little bit, it would have been a game that, you know, endeared itself to Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And then against LA, I was thinking, well, this is going to be a bit of a tough matchup for him. He's, he's not really built for this style of play. And he goes out and is probably, I mean, 
is it fair to say he was Montreal's best forward that night? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, yeah. I, I have my plus and minus in, in the game recap. Yeah, and sure, as far yeah. as the, as far as the skaters, um, uh, uh, Kakanami was the best forward, uh, Juleson, who your winner was the best defenseman and, and, and yeah. it wasn't even close on that. night. Yeah, he was, he was really good. And, and in the faceoff circle, which was supposed, you know, supposedly his biggest weakness and, you know, I, you hear that he's been working on it in practice with uh, with Thomas Lukanich, and there's really no better guy to to learn from than that. But uh, yeah, that's some really very quick growth from from a guy that maybe you didn't expect to uh, to see that this soon. Mind you, it was only one game, but it was uh, it was a, an impressive performance nonetheless. So and, uh, uh... yeah. Yeah, I, I would just say, just in, in finishing uh, about that yeah. game, uh, we may not have the time to get too deep into it ab- about, uh, uh, I think Andrew Shaw's name came right. up a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, I, there was the, the double-reviewed goal, um, which I, or non-goal, as it turned out to be, a waved-off goal. I, I think the officials got that right, but the, the whole yeah. process was a little, uh, <laughs> it was a little Prolonged. suspect. Yeah. Uh, and long, yeah, absolutely. If yeah. I, I, you know, if uh, if you have a way of of streamlining, or you have comments on on uh, on that, hit us up on Twitter or on the uh, All Habs page on Facebook. Uh, the thing that I wanted to get to, uh, as far as Andrew Shaw, was after the game, yeah. and um, he was asked. There was there was a reporter. I I don't know who. Uh, I don't recognize his voice, but. Uh, who kept asking, asking all, all the players, um, was the ceremony, uh, the opening night ceremony, was that the reason that the Canadians uh, lost the game? And I, to be honest, I thought it was a silly question. I mean, uh, um, the Canadians uh, actually came out, as you said, came out pretty, yeah. pretty strong. They had a pretty good first five minutes. And as well, I mean, I was in the bill, I was at the Bell Center for the, centennial game uh that was the longest ceremony i've ever been through and it was a great (laughs) ceremony but it was long and the canadians came out and they just demolished the boston bruins in that game if you remember camillary was amazing uh so talk don't talk about this the ceremony being the, the problem but anyways andrew shaw went into and talked about um how it was nice to to have that that atmosphere of and 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 all the players from the from '93 around, um, and the quote was, "I think it's pretty cool for them to, tonight to have that, but nobody wants to celebrate 25 years of not winning," uh, which I thought was was a, I mean, it's it's a devastating comment, um, but it's the kind of comment that every player should believe in, every fan should yep. believe in. We're tired of we shouldn't be celebrating 25 years of not winning. Um, and yet, um, you know, I tweeted out, um, Andrew Shaw, nobody wants to celebrate 25 years of not winning. First of all, there was, there was some moron who kept saying, oh, you paraphrased. I didn't paraphrase. Those were exactly nope. his words. Were, were they out of context? No, they were out of context. He provided some background for it uh, to begin with. But he, the point that he was making, if you listen to it, was we don't want to be a team who goes 25 years without, without winning. That was his point. Yeah. That was the context. Um, 
And I, I, I don't think they should have been taken as controversially as they were. Uh, I think I, 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 I know the Canadians marketing staff don't believe this because they like to sell the, the past. Uh, and, and Kevin Gilmore, who used to be COO, said that, said that exactly. Um, but I, I think anyone who is a player, anyone who's a fan, anyone on the hockey operations side should, uh, I mean, those, kind, those are the kinds of words that you, you put up in the locker room and say, we don't want to be the team that has a 25-year gap between our, yeah. our Stanley Cups. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was, that was a fair comment to make in that game because look at that's Andrew Shaw's a guy that's been there. He's one of the few guys on that team that has actually been there before and won a championship. And he knows exactly what that feels like. And so, yeah, to celebrate 20, like, look, it's great that Montreal honors the past. Every team should honor their past. And when you see that with as many guys that they have, as many numbers they have up in that up in their rafters and, and as many championship banners. But Andrew Shaw was bang on and it was great to hear someone within the organization actually make that point because yeah, it's great that we that the Habs won back in nineteen ninety three. And it was great that they won in nineteen eighty six. But you know what? It's it's twenty eighteen now. It's time to turn the page a little bit and start actually building rather than focusing on the chapters that have already been closed. So with well, that said, said, yeah, with, with, uh, thank you. Thank you. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be back right after a short break. We're going to hit you. We're going to hit up, uh, hit up Twitter and check out some of your responses to the question of the week. What should Claude Julian do with Jonathan Drouin? We're going to get to a bad tweet that has us both fired up. So we'll be right back after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, 
log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Here on Canadians Connection, we touched on some lineup changes heading into tonight's game against Pittsburgh a little earlier on in the show. Just to catch you all back up, just in case you guys are, are tuning in a little bit late, Thomas Lukanich draws into the lineup tonight. Matthew Pekka is going to be out. And uh, Carey Price, as we mentioned at the very top of the show, he has got the flu. So unfortunately, he will be out tonight. Antony Emi is going to be getting the start between the pipes. Uh, and so, and our buddy Charlie Lindgren will be the backup tonight, called up be. on an emergency recall basis. That was yeah, I was really happy. Unfortunate, well, obviously not happy to see that Carey Price has the flu. You never want anybody to be uh, feeling under the weather, but very happy that Charlie Lindgren got to make that drive from, uh, or you know, make that little short commute from from Laval to uh, to the Bell Center. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be the two notable changes for tonight's lineup and uh, we'll turn things over right away to the question of the week. We asked you before the show started, what should Claude Julian do with Jonathan Drouin and your responses have been just flooding in. And uh, we have uh, Matt Smith who is featured on the, uh, the Habs unfiltered podcast. He, uh, he's saying that Drouin needs, needs to simplify his game. Don't try to make plays that aren't there and to use his shot more often, especially on the power play, which is a really fair point because if you're out there anyways, you have to get the, you have to get the defense thinking a little bit. You're going to pass every time. Um, Samuel says that this lineup change should help get him to settle down, make him shoot a little more. Again, a, a common theme. Doesn't need to have the puck on his stick for more than five seconds. If no shot, quick pass and move up the ice to receive it again. He's trying to do too much. So a little bit of a theme would be that he's trying to do too much. Uh, Yusuf makes a really great point. The same treatment Galchenyuk had, which uh, mm. <laughs> I, uh, I, I wish, but uh, maybe not. And uh, another one is uh, from uh, Kevin uh, says, press box, give Nikita some ice time. And uh, another great response was from uh, that, that echoes those very same sentiments was from, Amy Johnson with the AHL report, bench him. You have to hold players accountable and every player needs to be contributing to the team effort hundred percent every night. You don't deliver that. You don't play. Give Sherback some ice time. So there seems to be a lot of people that would like to see Nikita Sherback get an opportunity to do the same things that Jonathan Drouin is currently doing and hopefully provide a little bit more effort without the puck. So what is, what is Facebook saying, Rick? Well, uh, Facebook uh, is is uh, echoing the same thing. If you're if you're looking to um, uh, join us on on Facebook, uh, search for All Habs, all one word, All Habs, and like the All Habs fan page, and uh, then you're not going to miss any of our discussions. Um, we have Mark Malay. He says healthy scratch. Um, Jason Nickerson says this isn't new. Uh, I've watched him since he was with the Mooseheads. Um, he was a total puck hog when he didn't have the puck, his effort was lackluster. Um, Steve Adams says, uh, demote him to the fourth line. Uh, Terry Cooper says 
He needs a scared to know his job isn't safe. Um, Jonathan uh, Segarik says uh, he can't handle the puck in the, he hasn't been able to handle the puck in the neutral zone. Um, Dre Gallen says ship him out. Hasn't done anything last year either. Uh, bench him from Richard Frost. Bench him from Mark <laughs> Joseph Chamberlain. Um, Mark Zarecki says he says the same thing a little bit differently. There's a seat on the uh, left bench with his name on it. Uh, Gus Kelvin says he's a prima donna. Uh, <laughs> and George Vanaway <laughs> says uh, he's awful it was an awful trade he's selfish and has an attitude we also see um many there's sheldon on twitter um i see uh, has has uh he's kind of captured what many people are saying is um can we reverse the trade uh can we get surgachev back there's there's a lot of those comments both on on facebook and uh and on twitter as well um again uh, uh we're uh, just seven minutes left in our show, but uh, if you can get your tweets in and, and, uh, and, and your comments on Facebook, we're glad to have them tweet to Habs connection. Uh, that's the podcast uh, Twitter handle. Mine is all Habs and uh, Joe is Joe Whalen 19. Exactly. You got it right on. So yeah, we would like to hear more of your responses because this is, I have a feeling that this isn't something that's going to be going away anytime soon. I mean, Claude Julian is going to have to find out something, you know, hopefully it's, uh, uh, hopefully he finds somebody that Jonathan Drouin can develop some chemistry with, but uh, I wouldn't hold your breath. Uh, <laughs> so with that said, I think it's time for another uh, segment that we have featured every week on this podcast. It's time for some bad tweets. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on the Canadian's Connection. And as I said, uh, heading into break, this is one that got both of us a little bit fired up. Well, it's um, it's funny because we like to feature, uh, we like to interact, and we like to feature, uh, as we just did, some great tweets, your comments, your thoughts. Um, but also during the week, we noticed that there's just some... <laughs> Silly tweets, some bad tweets, um, and for whatever reason, this week, um, and maybe it was because uh, the Canadians encountered their first loss, there seemed to be more than the usual fair share yeah. of bad tweets. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a few of them, uh, since we have a couple of minutes, um, and then get to, your, to our grand winner, which uh, Joe alluded <laughs> to. Um, uh, Montreal Sports World. My goodness, if you're following this guy, just unfollow him right now. It says, when is the $10 million goalie going to steal a game? Well, uh, perhaps you <laughs> haven't been paying attention. <laughs> he, he seems to, well, he certainly hates Carey Price, but he also seems to hate the Habs, which is, is kind of odd. Um, yeah, just a bit. Lion, Lion from the North um, was complaining about the penalties uh, that were being called in the game against the Kings and says, what the hell is going on with these linesmen? Um, so may, maybe, may, maybe. Upset about realize. the icing calls, maybe? It's the, yeah, it's the rest that, that call penalties. A couple penalties. offsides, I don't know. <laughs> um. Tony McLean from uh, uh, Tony McLean from Ottawa. Maybe that's a problem. 
Maybe Tony's problem is he's in Ottawa. Um, uh, but he says, no, I, I would love Ottawa, but you know, yeah. the, the, they have the, they have the senators to, to deal with yes. there. That your Tony own says, that's right. What's the difference <laughs> between Andre Rasico and Carey Price? Rasco has a Stanley cup. Uh, I mean, come on. That's just silly. Uh, Marcel Nurse says, I think they have the wrong nationality of Habs rookie Kokanemi. He looks like he has zero finish in him. I mean, please, please. What? Please. <laughs> He's been the best, one of the best uh, forwards, as we, we mentioned, and certainly was the best against the Kings. And he's 18 years old. Oh, um, but our grand winner, our grand yeah. winner of Bad Tweet of the Week, and this one, yeah, as you said, this kind of sticks a bit. Uh, it's from HabsFan24 Cups. And his tweet is as follows. I know this isn't going to be a popular opinion, but it's time that the Habs retired the torch. For me, it's almost become cringeworthy. (laughs) (laughs) The torch, the torch from failing hands. You know, the whole, the the Flanders Fields uh, poem that's from failing hands. We pass you the torch. This is the Canadians. The torch is the Montreal Canadians. I mean, uh, Habs Van 24 Cups, have you have, do you have no appreciation of the history? Maybe you want, you want to get rid of that old silver cup that they hand out in June as well. Maybe you think that's kind of passe or cringeworthy. <laughs> um, my goodness. Uh, bad tweet of the week. This might be bad tweet of the year. Yeah. And it was interesting because... I was watching that game with my dad, and I was like, you know, it's been a while since we saw that. It's actually kind of refreshing to see that again, because usually they'll have the uh, the little skater out on the ice before the teams come out, and they have the they, they light up the ice with the flame, and it was really cool in the playoffs, everything like that. And it's like, oh, it's it's been a while since we saw that. So I don't understand how, uh, you know, I know it's it's in the in the home opener, you know, it's everyone. I, I know that people can get a little bit annoyed because you'll be in the, in the middle of October and a team still hasn't had their home opener yet, or in late October. I always find that a little bit strange when a team hasn't had their home opener. It's like three weeks into the season. And then you have to do the player introductions and everything like that. But like, this isn't that this is Montreal celebrating, you know, the the torch and, and all of that it represents in their history and in, and in Canada's history as well. So, you know, it's uh yeah, that's, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a bad one. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's fair to say that that actually might be the uh, the bad tweet of the year. <laughs> so far. <laughs> so, yeah, so far. I mean, we've, we've got some time to go. And uh, who knows, after maybe after tonight, there'll be uh, a little few, uh, a couple of more to add to the list. Uh, but, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to uh, like to get to before we sign off? Uh, well, uh, just that uh, I just mentioned that Laval had their home opener, uh, the Laval uh, Rocket, yeah. last night, the HL affiliate, and uh, and had a great game, five uh, two over over the Devils, uh, successful home opener, lots of fans in attendance in Laval. Um, we had uh, you can you can check out the game report from Chris G. Uh, that's on uh, AHL report. Uh, they play again today, um, uh, an afternoon game, and uh, and for all of the the Laval coverage, 
we have uh, Amy Johnson, the, the uh, editor and, and lead contributor in the AHL report. Um, make sure you, you're, you're following Amy and Chris and uh, the AHL rep- report on Twitter uh, you'll, and, uh, and the From the Press Box uh, podcast, which comes out every Tuesday, uh, so that, that you'll know what's going on in the AHL and, and with all of the Canadians' prospects. Uh, and news from the AHL. Um, so be sure you're you're uh, you're yeah. plugged in there as well and connected there as well, uh, and um, and continue your your interaction with us uh, uh, with respect to the Montreal Canadiens on the Canadiens Connection. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, you mentioned to follow follow Amy at Flyers Rule and at the AHL Report and and follow Chris G. Uh, it's at Chris G. Nineteen eighty, correct? I don't have that That's one in right. front of me, but yeah, yeah Chris G nineteen eighty. So you follow those those good there. They're fantastic. Their coverage is unparalleled for the AHL. I know that uh, that Chris was covering the uh, the Laval game last night. Amy was covering a game between the Phantoms and and the Springfield Thunderbirds. So it was it was just a really good night for the AHL report. Um, we yeah, saw, and uh, um, just just a note on that that game. Yeah, had a chat with Bobby Farnham. Oh, go after the game. Former <laughs> former St. John's Ice Caps Bobby Ice Farnham. Ice Caps legend. Ice Caps legend Bobby <laughs> Farnham. And I said uh, I mentioned your name and Bobby Farnham. Say hi to Joe. He's a good guy. Oh, how about that? That's, how about that? That's 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 some high praise right there. That's uh, that is some high praise from from a man who uh, who played in uh, in St. John's in the last year of the Ice Caps existence and was one of the better players on that team. So I appreciate that. And uh, I'll say hello to, uh, to Bobby Farnham right now, if he's listening. Hi, Bobby. How's it going? Thanks for, uh, thanks for saying hello. <laughs> so uh, anyways, I guess that's as good a time as any with, with uh, a nice greeting from Bobby Farnham to end this episode of Habs Connection, or excuse me, Canadians Connection. You can follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and make sure you keep on tweeting us in with your responses to the question of the week. What should Claude Julien do with Jonathan Drouin? As always, I'll be retweeting them as I get them, as I see them pop up on, on the uh, Habs Connections mentions. And, uh, yeah, uh, follow me at JoeWayla19. Follow Rick at All Habs. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you right back here next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time. And we will be discussing everything that's happened within – the next uh, the next week and and maybe who knows we'll be discussing something that happens in tonight's game maybe something actually really cool is going to happen tonight who knows or maybe not <laughs> so we'll see you right back here next week at 1 p.m eastern we'll see you then for the latest news on the montreal canadians follow us on twitter at Habs connection and visit allhabs.net